0: Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. There we go. Well, thank you. It's a delight to be here. We're thrilled to be with you. We did have a wonderful time last night in the Bible school. We will again tomorrow night. But tonight... You know, this is like a sandwich, okay? Good bread on either side and some really, really good meat right in the middle. How's that? All right? So we're going to have a great time tonight. Uh, just a couple of, uh, uh, of words of explanation and instruction before I actually get to my message tonight. Don and I minister together in the Spirit. What I mean by that is with diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. This is something that God has been doing in our life and our ministry now for some time. And um, so there may be some things go on that maybe you've never seen before. Maybe you've never been a part of before. Well, uh, as long as it's scriptural... Hello? And as long as it's in order, then then that's a good thing. All right? So this little explanation. When two people get married, they become one. Isn't that true? Now, without getting into this too deep, they become one spirit. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. What does God join together? The spirit of that man with the spirit of that woman. Okay. And without going into detail, they quickly join those bodies together. Okay. And then they spend the rest of their lives trying to get those minds together. <laughs> and guys, as our minds are renewed, you're a little slow, but you're catching on, then they begin to think that we think right. Enough of that. Divorce is the ripping apart of those two spirits. That's why it's so hurtful. That's why it's so painful. That's why it's so hard to recover from. is because man has ripped apart those two spirits that God joined together. That's why it's so damaging. Now, back to the positive. Because we are one, and because this is something that God has done, I have said to my wife at any given point in time in my messages right in the middle of them then she is free and has the liberty to quote interrupt and speak out the tongue that God has given to her and then I give the interpretation of it now listen to the perspective I believe that I am here to speak something into your lives that Jesus himself would speak into your life if he was standing up here I become the voice of God if you will I am not God no way. But he's given me the message and I'm sharing with you what he's given to me. And if he's not giving me a message, I have no business being here. So in essence then, she's not interrupting. Can you see that? As a matter of fact, it's just him, the Holy Ghost, inserting his comment at that moment regarding what... I have been talking to you about. Okay, it simply means I didn't get it all when I made the notes. (laughs) And that's cool. All right? Because then you know He's here. I love it when God goes to church. That's where I want to be. Where God goes to church. You could put that on your sign out here, Pastor Mark. This is where God goes to church. That probably created an uproar in the city, wouldn't it? Are you implying? Well, take what you will out of it. So that may happen during this service. If it does, just roll with it. Okay? I'll tell you, in our church back in Tulsa, it happens every Sunday. And sometimes two or three times in a service. Because you see, I believe that we ought to have all nine of the gifts of the Spirit in operation at all times. I believe in the daily operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And so with that introduction, we'll dive right into this message. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I just want to read one verse from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. 1 Corinthians fourteen twelve. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Are you zealous of spiritual gifts? Are you? You ought to have a zeal for spiritual gifts. You ought to desire them. You ought to covet them. You ought to want them. You ought to be learning about them, understanding them better and better and better and better. As your pastor just said, I've been at this for over 50 years. I'm finally getting started. Amen. I expect to live to be 120. Unless Jesus comes back first. And if he wants to cut that short, that's quite all right with me. That's cool. But I intend to know who I am when I'm 120. I intend to be able to walk, and to think, and to talk, and to play my bass guitar. How's that? All right? So I intend to flourish. I believe the older we get, the better we get. Amen. What does retire mean? I don't care to know I'm happy I'm having a great time now it doesn't mean that I want to keep on doing everything I've always done all of my life working as hard as I've always worked doesn't mean that at all it just means that as life goes on we ought to be more and more zealous for spiritual things and for the gifts of the spirit and we ought to be growing and we ought to be increasing and we ought to be a bigger and better blessing than we've ever been in our entire life Amen. thus the last part of this verse even so ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts seek that ye may excel excel to the edifying of the church. My goal is to excel in the gifts, to be better than I've ever been, to operate more accurately than I ever have, to see more manifestation of those gifts and more results than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I have seen some awesome, awesome things, believe me. I may share a little bit of that with you here in a moment. But what I want to talk to you about tonight really is about excelling in the gifts. And I'll just say this now and perhaps it will become more and more clear as I go along. If we only know the things about the gifts that we've always known, and if we only teach the same things about the gifts that we've always taught, if we only say the same things about the gifts that we've always said, and if we only do everything the only way that we've ever done it, then we're not excelling. We're stuck. We've hit a plateau, a flat place, if you will. And it's time to move off of that and move up higher. So that is at the core of this message tonight. Now, perhaps you've heard this, perhaps you haven't. So I'll elaborate just a little bit. Many years ago, there was a man by the name of Howard Carter. Howard Carter was the first individual that I know of to have put in print. He didn't do the book himself, but someone else did it. But he put in print some information about the nine gifts of the Spirit. I'm referring to those gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read that here in just a moment. But he classified those nine gifts into three groups. How many of you have heard this? You know this much of it. All right, let me talk about it a little bit more then. Carter said you can take those nine gifts of the Spirit and you can break them down into three groups. He said there are three revelation gifts, there are three power gifts, and there are three gifts of utterance. Now, again, I'll read the Scripture in a moment. You go ahead and flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you want to. And look at about verse 8, and you'll see it, where it's talking about the Word of Wisdom, the Word of Knowledge, talking about faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. That's what I'm talking about. There's nine of them listed there. And so Carter came along, and he broke them down into these three groups, meaning simply this. His idea was based on the similarity that can be found in these gifts. So that there are three gifts that reveal something. Those three gifts would be a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. All three of those are in that list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So he said, okay, let's put those three together. Now let's do an easy one. He said there's three that are utterance gifts. Help me out. What would those be? The utterance gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. So he classified those three together because there is similarity. They tell us something. They inspire us. So he classified them in that way. And then he said there are three gifts of power, three power gifts, because these three gifts produce great demonstrations of God's power. And that would be faith and gifts of healings and the working of miracles. Now, for many, many years, this is something that was done, oh, goodness, I think it started back maybe in in the 20s or in the 30s. And so this is kind of where uh, we've parked our understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, if you will, and said, okay, we got that figured out, now what's next? Well, that's good information to know that you can classify them into those three groups. But we shouldn't stop there. See, I've always had this question. I looked at the list that Howard Carter gave us, and then I looked at the list that Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I noticed one day the list that Carter gave us was different to the list that Paul gave us. And I thought, hmm, does that mean that Paul didn't know? He never read Carter's book. (laughs) Why didn't Paul get it right? (laughs) Well, he did get it right. He did get it right. And so I changed direction. I said, okay, that's not the problem. It's not that Carter got it wrong, and it's not that Paul got it wrong. They both got it right, but what's the difference, and why is there a difference? And why did Paul list them one way, and Carter listed them another way? And out of that came this understanding that Carter was talking to us about the purpose of these gifts. I'm going to say that again. Carter was talking to us about the purpose of these gifts. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. So the purpose of tongues and interpretations is for God to be able to say something to us. Their purpose is utterance. Okay? So that's why he classified them that way. Now, if I was only interested in the purpose of these gifts, I would be satisfied. But frankly, I am much more interested in how they work. Yes, I am. I want to know how these gifts function. I want to know how we can have these gifts in demonstration all the time. Wouldn't it be wonderful to come to church and every time you came to church, you saw a miracle? How about that? What if every time you came to church, there were people that came to the service and they were very sick, and they were healed in that service. Yeah. I have a simple question. Why not? Why shouldn't we? Have you read the New Testament? Have you read the Gospels? Have you read what happened when Jesus showed up? Yeah. And every sick person was healed. He healed every one of them. He healed every one of them. That's church. That's church. I want to go there. So I have this question. How? How? How do they function? I know the purpose of the gifts, I want to know how they work. And to better understand how they work, the easier I understand how they work, the better and the easier it is for me to cooperate with the Holy Ghost to produce the desired results. So, So when I say function, I'm basically talking about how these gifts work. So now, I've come to this conclusion. If we're going to talk about the purpose of the gifts then we're going to group them and we're going to list them the way Carter did. But if we're going to talk about the function of these gifts or how they work, then we're going to group them and we're going to list them the way Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to show that to you. Think about it like this. The purpose of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy is basically all the same. Right? Right? That's what you told me a while ago. Yeah, you told me that. I heard you. Come on. This is not a trick. Are we in agreement? The purpose is is basically all the same. All right. Here's the problem, though. These gifts are operating many times in a manner in which God speaks to us by the Holy Ghost. That is their purpose. That's why God gave us those gifts. But there's been a lot of confusion with regard to how these three gifts of the Spirit are to function. Now I need an answer to a question here. How many of you grew up in some type of a Pentecostal church? How many of you? Raise your hand. Okay, that's just a few of you. The rest of you have probably not ever had this experience. Where you're in a service, and at the most inappropriate time, when other things were going on, somebody jumps up, and loudly they scream. Now don't don't think that I'm making fun, I'm telling you the truth. And it goes like this, Shundalai, 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 Shundalai and they sit down. And then there is dead silence. <laughs> and it is so awkward. Everybody would like to leave. And then finally, It seems like a half an hour later. It's really not. It's just a couple, of three minutes. Finally, somebody jumps up and says, my little children. See, you're having a good time. Wish I was there. (laughs) Y'all are going to have to pick up the pace here a little bit. Okay. No, it it would go more like, uh, my little children, I'm coming soon. And that was tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And I went through that service after service after service after service after service. And after a while, with all of that disruption and that, you just think, what's the purpose of this? Why are we doing this? What's this all about? Isn't there any more to it than this? Surely there is. Because this seems to be so far from what I see happening in the book of Acts. Come on. Do I have your attention? Are you with me? So I think we need to understand these things better. I really do. I'm going to go just a little bit deeper into it and describe it like this. I've been in many services where a person would give a message in tongues. And that was followed by an interpretation of tongues. But just remember this. You can tell pretty easy if the person giving the interpretation actually goes much further than the person who gave the tongue. Because the tongue might last one minute, and if the interpretation is still going on ten minutes later, you know, something's off. Right? Now, Now, don't be uncomfortable. You're just sitting there. I'm the one having to stand up here and talk about this. So if anybody ought to be uncomfortable, it ought to be me, and I'm fine. I'm having a good time. What in the world is going on? Can you understand why there are churches that have been labeled as Pentecostal churches, Spirit-filled churches, Charismatic churches, and on and on? But basically what they have done out of embarrassment and because they didn't understand, they have just moved the Holy Spirit out of their services and they don't want any of these things going on because it just seems so odd and strange and oddball and and off and all that kind of stuff and awkward and they think it will put people off and embarrass people. And so not knowing what else to do, they just push the Holy Spirit to the side. Well, that's wrong. Why don't we figure it out? Why don't we come to understand it? Let's break down what I was just talking about. What would be going on if Donna got up and she gave a tongue and it lasted for about a minute or so and 15 minutes later I'm still giving the interpretation? One of three things is happening. Number one, I completely missed it. Or, number two... I gave the interpretation of the tongue. That also lasted about a minute. And then I just kept going, but I moved from the interpretation over into prophecy. And the rest of that is prophecy. And I've done that. And it might happen tonight. And others have done that. The only issue I have with that, which I'm trying to train myself differently, old dogs do learn new tricks. Okay, so I'm growing, I'm learning. And and what do you do with that? I'm not saying that's always inappropriate or it should never happen. I'm saying that it needs to be explained. Whoever does that needs to stop and say, okay, now wait a minute, let me help you understand. We have three utterance gifts here. The first one was diverse kinds of tongues, and that tongue was given, and I gave the interpretation, but then that was the end of that, and then I flowed from that right on over into prophecy because there was something else that God wanted to say to us. And that's the right way to do that. That's the right way to handle that. There's a third possibility, though, and that is... That the person who started speaking after the tongue really doesn't have that gift of interpretation of tongues. Rather, they have the gift of prophecy. So what they did in response to the tongue to avoid the awkward silence was they just started prophesying. Well, if that's what they did, it ought to be explained. Do you agree? It would help you, wouldn't it? It would help you to understand. Now, let me take this further. In all that I've just described, the words might be good. But if we're not taught and if we're not brought further along this, then we lose the ground that we've already taken in the Spirit. And that is is a shame whenever that happens. So you've got three gifts that I'm describing here that have the same purpose as far as providing utterances from the Holy Ghost but they don't function the same way and if you're a student and if you love to study the word dig into this you'll also find that tongues interpretation have a purpose actually that goes far beyond the purpose of prophecy they really do I'm just going to leave that hanging out there in the air and let you figure that out for yourself let me illustrate this another way how many of you know what a road grader is? A road grader, you know what that is? Great big machine with a great big blade on it. How many of you grew up in the country? Raise your hand. If you grew up in the country, you've seen one of these. And they have a name it's called a maintainer. You know why they call it that? Because this machine is used to maintain those old roads that are made out of gravel and dirt. And they get potholes in them and the gravel gets scooted off to the side. And so they bring this old machine down the road and they get the gravel back up on the road. And they fill all the holes and they smooth it out as best they can so that it's easier to drive on that. So it's called a maintainer. Now, we know the purpose of this equipment, but that tells us nothing about how the machine works. Years ago, I was the associate pastor of a church in Fort Worth, Texas. And I told part of this story last night. We were in a neighborhood and lots of houses around us and not much parking. And so our church had bought some properties and and we'd torn down some houses. And we were going to build a parking lot. So one Sunday morning, pastor got up and he said, this week we are going to build a parking lot. And I had been the associate pastor there long enough to know by that time that we was me. And so I showed up the next day, and we were going to build a parking lot. I was the only one there. So I went in the office. I got uh, yellow pages. It was that long ago. And I looked up gravel. And I found some places that sold gravel. And I called them, and I said, I need several truckloads of gravel. They said, how many do you need? I said, I don't know. I said, just start bringing it. Whenever I think there's enough, I'll stop them. (laughs) That's what I did, really. I'm a seminary student. I don't know anything about this. But we are going to build a parking lot. So these big old dump trucks drove up. And nobody told me that the tailgate, if you will, whatever that thing is called on the back of the dump, that it's got notches in it and it's got chains and you can hook the chains in those notches. And, and whenever he raises that bed, it'll only open so far and he can drive along and spread that gravel. And nobody told me. So in a matter of a few minutes, I've got huge piles Of gravel all over these lots, a bunch of them. And I finally I say, okay, that's enough. Don't send any more. This is Texas. It's hot. I got to spread this gravel. So I went and (laughs) got a rake. That lasted about ten minutes. And I said, okay, an intelligent person, what would they do? What would they use to spread this gravel? I know a road grader. So I grabbed the yellow pages. I looked up rental equipment. I found somebody that would rent me a road grader. I've never been close to one. A couple of hours later, a big semi-truck drove up in front of the church. This guy unloaded this road grader, drove it up on the lot. And as I was saying, how does it work? He was driving away. So I got in the cab of this road grader. What a weird machine. Good gracious. And I sat there long enough to figure out, okay, that turns the blade this way. That makes it go like this. That makes it go like this. And this turns the wheels. And they'll not only turn this way, they'll do this. And I thought, gee, how am I going to do it? Oh, I know. I've seen they turn the blade this way. So I'm going to do that. And I aimed it at a pile of gravel. (laughs) And in a matter of a few minutes, I had the road grader sitting on top of a pile of gravel and all the wheels turning, and I could not get down. (laughs) I got the right machine. The purpose of that machine is to do things like that. I knew its purpose. I got the right machine. But that's not enough. I needed to know how it worked. And until I learned how it worked, I simply made a mess. And regarding the gifts of the Spirit, that's where much of the church has been and still is to this day. We have understood the purpose of the gifts, but not how they work. Good. 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 See these questions that I told you a while ago about why did Paul listen one day, why did Carter listen one another way? I, I'm beginning to understand that now. Here's the answer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, excuse me, First Corinthians chapter 12 through chapter 14. Paul is talking to us about how these gifts should work in the church. That is the subject, how these gifts work in the church in those three chapters. And so he's listed them as they work together, talking about how they work. It fits his subject. Here's the verses I keep referring to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Those four often function together. Those four often work together. Let me repeat. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, and the gifts of healing often work together together I'll say more in a moment let me finish reading to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits those three often work together and then finally to another divers kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues and I've illustrated how those two work together now, there are many, 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 many stories in the Bible that, that you can look at and you can see these things that I'm saying to you. We just don't have time to get to all of them tonight, so we'll pick one or two, and that we'll have to do for now. But anyone who knows anything at all about the gifts of the Spirit knows that tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation goes together. You're not going to have an interpretation of tongues if you don't have a tongue. Right? So they go together. Now, you may have seen this, but there are people who operate in the word of knowledge and the gifts of healings, and you'll often see those together. It'll work like this. Somebody, probably standing up here somewhere, might look out there and say, Oh, I'm, I'm making this up. Say he's making this up. And they might say, this gentleman right here, you have a problem with your left arm. Do you? <laughs> See, he said, no, I'm making it up. All right. But, but what if that was a word of knowledge, and he did? I've had that happen many times. Now, here's where we are. The Spirit of God has revealed to him and to this audience that the Holy Ghost knows that he's got a problem with his left arm. are we just going to leave it there and say, isn't that wonderful? His arm hurts. That's great. Wow, how cool. God told us his arm hurts. That's not enough. We need to do something about it. I was in a service one time, and, and this was the word of knowledge that God gave to me. There was a large crowd there. The building was seat about 3,000 people, and it was full. And, and the Lord said to me, there is a lady here with a yellow dress on. She's got on yellow. The lady here with yellow. Her clothes are yellow. And there's a problem relative to her baby. There's a problem with her baby. And I said that. And I said, whoever that is, would you come forward? 21 women came (laughs) forward 21 of them 20 of them had on something yellow a yellow dress a yellow top some other color skirt or slacks yellow and white polka dots all but one had on yellow number 21 had on red and white I started at the end of the line, opposite the lady with the red and white. She's down there. So I started over here. What's wrong with your baby? My baby's at home sick. What's wrong with your baby? My baby was stillborn. Yeah. And I just can't seem to get beyond that. And then we went right down the line. Every one of these, ministering to them. There were some, their child was there and had a problem. The child was brought into service, and God healed that child right there in that service. I got down to the lady dressed in red and white, and before I could say anything, she spoke up. She said, I just had to come down here because she said, my baby has been diagnosed with something. I don't remember what it was, and I want you to pray for my baby because we don't know what's going to happen. And she said, oh, forgive me for not having on yellow. I had on a yellow dress. Dressed to come to church. But when I got out to my car to come to church, I noticed I had spilled something on it. So I went back in and changed my clothes and put on this red dress. And God healed her baby. Yeah. What have we got here? We have the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing working together. Now, I'm going to pick up my friend over here with a sore arm. You understand that many times it would be very helpful when he gets his arm healed for there to follow behind that a word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom is don't do what you were doing when you hurt your arm. You see how those three could work together. So they're listed together. Are you with me so far? All right. Here's something that uh, I think has not been understood. Not adding the word of wisdom to the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing probably is the real reason so many people have lost their healing. It's because they didn't have the wisdom on their own to change things that needed to change to keep them from getting right back into the same problem they were in before. And I'm going to push it a little further. Yes, they needed faith to keep their healing, but probably more than that, they needed wisdom. And not adding the gift of faith is probably the real reason so many people have not received their healing in the first place. You're going to have to chew on this sermon a while. That was the introduction. Are you ready for the meat of the sermon? Okay, we've talked about the two and the four, haven't we? The first four, the last two. What about these three in the middle? The working of miracles, prophecy, and discerning of spirits. Those three gifts often function together. They really do, and I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. You know, I, I remember it years ago, whenever I first heard about words of knowledge and, and gifts of healings working together. And I've watched that over the years and watched the number of healings increase. Did you know there are churches that are identified as charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, Spirit-filled churches? But if you were to ask, what is it that you think identifies your church as that type of a church? The response would be, we believe in healing. People get healed all the time. Now, we might think, well, it's because we speak in tongues. Well, tongues, I do believe, is the first physical evidence of one receiving the Holy Ghost. But what is being identified with the Holy Spirit even more now is healing. That's pretty cool. Frankly, I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't demean the fact that we believe in speaking in tongues. I thank my God I probably speak with tongues more than you all. Because I do, and I hope you do too. And if you don't, you can. Why did you get so quiet? <laughs> He's going to make his spoken tongues, devil. <laughs> no, I'm not. I can't make you do anything. But what a blessing to speak in tongues. What an awesome thing to speak in tongues. You're talking to your father. What an awesome time to receive healing. What a wonderful thing to receive healing. Sunday in our church in Tulsa, there was a little 10-year-old boy there. His name is Gabriel. On July the 13th of this year, Gabriel went into surgery for his heart, had open-heart surgery. He was born with a major problem with his heart. And so the surgeons opened him up, and they repaired that problem with his heart. They put him back together, sewed him back together. He was still on the heart bypass pump. And and just as they were getting ready to take him off of that, he went into cardiac arrest. Ten years old. They started working on him. He went code blue over and over and over. They worked on him from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till midnight. At points in time, there were 40 people in the operating room. Doctors and nurses, this idea, that. How can we keep this little boy alive? That was July the 13th of this year. His kidneys stopped functioning. He went into a coma. The following Sunday, his grandmother came to church and told us about it. And I picked up a handkerchief, a prayer cloth. You know what that is? Right? I picked up one of them that I'd laid hands on, and I gave it to her. And I said, take this to Gabriel. She took it to the hospital. She laid it on his little body. I'm here to tell you his kidney started functioning. And I'm here to tell you he came out of the coma. And I'm here to tell you he came running down the aisle of the church Sunday. And he now plays soccer. And what I just told you about happened July the 13th. Oh, double seta, shostamonaha, seta castaia, sotosta monae, shobo o dega, sotista marchesa, ah, da lahostosta mafe, for all cafe. Oh, that we could see these things. Oh, that we could witness them all the time. Oh, that they could be a part of my life. Oh, that I could enjoy this. I would be so indeed grateful if this became something that I saw on an ongoing basis. You can indeed see that, for it is my power and it works everywhere. It will work here just as much as it will work in Tulsa or anywhere else in the globe, for I am the same everywhere. It's open to you. Open your heart to receive it and you'll see what I will do stay up to you you see it's up to you much of it is up to you you've waited on me waiting for me to do things but I'm waiting on you I gave these as gifts and if you'll open your heart for them to flow and for them to function Already they do in this place. Your pastor is used many times in some of these gifts and perhaps all of them, but I'll enlarge it. I'll increase it even more. And there's things I want to do to you, but it is up to you. And your praise and your glory of me will rise, and it'll rise to the heavens, and I'll enjoy it much because you have stepped into what I have for you. Well, glory. Now give him praise. Give him praise. Yeah, stand to your feet and give him praise Come on, I want you to praise him Give him praise, hallelujah Hallelujah, yes, thank you Lord Thank you Lord Glory Father, glory Bless the Lord Yes, hallelujah Hallelujah Say this out loud. Lord, Lord I'm, available. I'm available. Yeah, I'll let you be seated. Glory. Now, that's what I was talking about at the beginning, before I ever started teaching. Divers, kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. He was commenting on what we're talking about here. And you see, he's here. What a cool thing to know that God is listening to my preaching. I'm telling you that is humbling yes it is that's amazing I've been to church so many times I've preached in churches and thought God is not within a million miles of this place that's hard It's tough. I like to know he's here. Are you aware he's here? Are you as aware he's here as I am? All his presence is thick in this place. Yes, indeed. He's here. He's listening. Don't get uneasy. He loves you. He loves you enough to show up here and talk to you like that that's just cool that's just awesome yes it is that's your God the Buddhist down the street he's never been there he's not welcome there not just picking on Buddhist I'm saying there's so many places where God couldn't do what he just did here Thank God he can do it here. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for your heart, for being open for the Holy Ghost to do and to say what he wants to do here. Come on, join me. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Amen. We appreciate that leadership. Yes, we do. Thank God there's going to be more and more pastors like that as time goes on. Now, if you're okay with it, I'll keep going. Because I want to talk about these three gifts and give you at least some illustration of it. The working of miracles, gift of prophecy, and discerning of spirits. Those three gifts often work together. Now, I've got to clarify. Each one of these gifts... Can work by itself except for tongues and interpretation of tongues they don't work very well by themselves there is no tongue there is no interpretation if there is a tongue and there is no interpretation that's not good either but the other seven are standalones if you will but we're talking about how they function and you'll often see these three together. Let me tell you just a little bit about them. Working of miracles. What is a miracle? A miracle is defined as something which is beyond explanation. You cannot explain it with science. And you cannot explain it from the natural world. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And the discerning spirits is the ability to see what is in a person's heart. So, what I'm saying is, those three will often go together. Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 17, and let's speed this up just a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 17, it's the first 16 verses of that chapter. This is the story of a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain. These years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Stop right there. Where... Are these ravens getting this food? You know what a raven is, don't you? What is a raven? What is it? It's a scavenger, isn't it? They're bringing him roadkill. I don't know. But they're bringing him food. Hopefully, it's not roadkill. Where are they getting the bread? Dumpster diving. The story will never be the same whenever I get through with it. But they're bringing him food and and, and he's eating and he's by this brook and he's drinking. But it says here, it came to pass for a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Hello, hello, Elijah, you said it wouldn't rain. Now you run out of water. So the word of the Lord came to him saying arise get thee to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there behold I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee that's very important so he arose and went to Zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city behold the widow woman was there gathering of sticks and he called her and said fetch me I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink and as she was going to fetch it he called her and said bring me I pray thee a morsel of bread in thine hand and she said as the Lord thy God liveth I have not a cake asked for a morsel of bread. Why is she saying, I don't have a cake? She's remembering God commanded me to feed this guy and sustain him. I don't have a cake. And here he is now. What am I going to do? She said, I don't have a cake. I've got a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks. Can you build a fire with two sticks? Any campers here? Any Boy Scouts here? Can you really build a fire with two sticks? If you got enough matches? <laughs> okay. She's picking up two sticks, okay? And then I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. I've always wondered if that boy knew that was his last meal. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after that make it for thee and for thy son. That's kind of like saying, okay, you go ahead. And, and you croak if that's what you're going to do, but make me a cake first. <laughs> and that's what he said, right? But don't die. Make one for you and for your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the of oil fail, until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah." Let me ask you some questions. Was there a miracle here? How do you know there was a miracle? Besides what it says. Because something happened that is beyond explanation by science or by nature. Right? More than one thing happened that is a miracle here. It's a miracle that it quit raining. It really is. It's a miracle that the ravens brought him food. That's a miracle. You can't explain that by science or by nature. Not those kind of birds. You'll have to do a little digging on your own. It's a miracle that that meal did not stop and the oil did not stop until it rained so we got several miracles here okay but what about these other things because i said prophecy and discerning of spirits go together with working of miracles they're actually in this story see god talked to this woman and told her to sustain the prophet right and god talked to her before he ever told elijah that was what was going to happen Go back and read it. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So she knows what she's supposed to do. Elijah knows what she's supposed to do. So when Elijah shows up and he throws this at her and says, Bring me a morsel of bread. What is he doing? He is checking to see where this woman is with regard to what God has told her. He is locating her. He is discerning. This is the discerning of spirits. He is checking to see where her heart is, what is in her heart. Can you see that? And if she comes back with a little cake, it don't make any difference how big it is. It can be a tiny little thing. But if she comes back with a little bitty cake, he has located the fact her heart is willing to do what God has said, but she is limited in her ability to do it. So the discerning of spirits is operating there. But I also said prophecy is there. Where is the prophecy? Here it is. He said to her, fear not. Go and do as you have said. Then he said, Thus saith the Lord of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the of oil fail, until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So there's the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort. Do you see it? Do you see it? They're all three right there in that story. Now, my challenge to you, take some time, go through other stories in the Bible where there are miracles, and look to see how often you'll find all three of those gifts together. I didn't say they're always there. I didn't say they always have to be. I said many times you'll see them functioning together without turning to Scripture. Here's another example. It's a reverse. You remember when Jesus went to his hometown? You remember that story? Jesus went to His hometown. When He got to His hometown, we have a record of what happened there and, and some comments about it. And what does the Scriptures tell us about Jesus being in His hometown? It makes this statement. He could not, He could not, say could not. Could not. He could not do any miracles there because of their unbelief save heal a few sick folk that's what it says so here is Jesus in his hometown now here's something very very interesting he's there to do miracles the possibility for miracles is there because Jesus is there But he can't do them because of their unbelief. How does he know there's unbelief there? Through the discerning of spirits. So when he discovers the level of unbelief that is there, he doesn't even prophesy to them. Because the unbelief is so strong. He just heals the few sick folk that are there. Here's some good news. It doesn't matter how much unbelief is around you, you can still get healed anyway. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter how much unbelief is around you, you can still get healed anyway. I said it doesn't matter how much unbelief is around you, you can still get healed anyway. Everybody in your whole family may be unbelievers, you can still get healed. Everybody where you work may be unbelievers, you can still get healed. You can get healed at work in the middle of all those unbelievers. You can be sitting at your desk, sick as can be, wanting to go home with everything in you because you're so sick and all around you is just cursing and all kinds of filth and is going on and right in the middle of that unbelief, you can say, Lord, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I receive my healing right now. And the healing power of God will enter that place. Just go right into your body and heal you. You're right there in the middle of all those unbelievers. It happened in Jesus' hometown. Now, there's three more hours to this sermon. So we're going to turn that off and quit. What I had come to do tonight, I think we've gotten there. I really believe we have. And that is to provoke you and to stir you up and to create within you a hunger to know more about how these gifts work. How do they operate? Because there's one final element did you notice how personal those gifts were in that story of Elijah they work through him in him by him for him yeah so that means that you don't have to wait until there's somebody else who comes along with one of these gifts that gift can operate in you for your personal benefit we live on a little ranch in Oklahoma uh, we've moved from the one we used to live on and the one the story I'm going to tell you is on the other edge our house set quite a ways back from the road and I had had a gate installed with an electric opener on it and I, I love gadgets and doodads and so I had rigged this thing up so I could flip a switch inside the house and it would open and close that gate it was 700 feet away but I just thought that was cool and, and whenever somebody was coming I'd just go to the front door and I could see they were coming and when they got to the gate I'd hit the button and the gate would open they'd come in and I'd close it and, and so that allowed us to let the horses run loose on the property there was a fence around the house they couldn't get to the house but they could get to the rest of the acreage that was there and so I had a man out there working one day. He worked all day long. He was doing some welding for me. And late that evening, he got ready to leave. Whenever he got ready to leave, I saw him and pulling out with his truck and his trailer. And just as he was going out through the gate, uh, approaching the gate, as that is, I hit the button, and when I did, it would always make a loud click. Horses have an incredible sense of hearing. Their hearing is intense, I mean. And they were at the back of the property, but they heard that gate click. Here they came running toward that gate as the truck and the trailer pulled through the gate the horses followed I never thought about them doing that now the road in front of the house the speed limit was what 35 40 miles an hour 40 miles an hour typically the traffic was doing about 75 down that road and our horses are running right down the middle of that road and it's 1030 at night and the following morning, Don and I are getting up very, very early, and we're taking off to the airport, and we're flying out to Tampa, Florida. We're going to be there for several days, maybe weeks, as a matter of fact. And we got people to take care of the horses, but the horses are nowhere around. They're out there somewhere running around. And it's late. And so we get out, and we're looking for horses. We're looking, it's pitch dark. We're looking, and we're looking, and we're looking. We can't find them anywhere. We look until midnight. I've got to get up early the next morning. So we got back in the house, and Donna says, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to bed. What are you doing that for? I'm going to go to sleep. She said, I can't sleep. I said, I can. <laughs> it's true. She said, but, but what about the horses? I said, I'm going to pray before I close my eyes, and, and, and I'm going to ask him to show me where they are, and tell me where they are, and we'll go get them in the morning. She said, really? I said, yes. So I closed my eyes, Lord, show me where those horses are in the morning. Thank you. Amen. I wasn't writing a book. And I went to sleep. You wish my sermons were as short as my prayers, don't you? I went sound asleep. I don't think she slept a bit all night. When the sun came up the next morning, I woke up. And the minute I woke up, she said, okay, what did he say? <laughs> what did he tell you? What did he show you? I said, the, the horses are right down the road here, a little less than a half a mile. They're standing in an open field, and, and there's, horse, there's a fence that goes across that field, And and there are other horses on the other side of the fence and our horses are standing outside that fence and that's where they've been all night. They're safe, they're not hurt or anything. And we'll just go down there and we'll get them and we'll bring them home and then we can take off to the airport. So we got in the pickup truck. We drove to the gate, the gate opened. She said, which way? I said, this way. She said, I have been up and down this road many, many times. I have never seen an open field down that way. All the open fields are that way. There's none down that way. They couldn't possibly be down there. Well, you wouldn't notice it at 75. <laughs> Why well, are you all laughing? You'd think, well, anyway. So we drove down there a little over a fourth of a mile from the house. Here's this open field. Here's this fence. There's horses on the other side of it, and our horses are standing outside that fence. Perfectly fine. They've been there all night. And we put the halters on them, took the lead ropes on them, led them back to the house and put them back in the barn and took off to the airport. What was that? What was going on? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Do you see that? Those gifts operating in me, For us, for our personal benefit, it's available to you. Be zealous. Desire those gifts. Covet those gifts. Let God use you. Yeah, make yourself available to Him. Would you stand your feet, please? Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for speaking to us tonight by your Word, through the teaching, through the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for edifying our hearts tonight. I thank you for lifting our spirits. I thank you for encouraging us, Father, in the things of your Spirit. I thank you for teaching us. I thank you for provoking us. I thank you for encouraging us to step out further, to understand more, To expect more. Say it out loud with me. I expect expect more more from the hand of God God. by His Spirit. Spirit. I open my heart heart to receive more more of Him Him and His doings doings. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.